The Lord be with you. Eugene Peterson once wrote that prayers are tools, tools for being and becoming. While we pride ourselves in living in an age that's technological, our technology, our tools, are primarily only for getting and for doing. And so they help us only along the thin stretch of shoreline that goes around a vast and unexplored continent of the human condition. As a result, many of us never venture into those unexplored interiors. But if you want to take on that work, if you want to begin the adventure into the wilderness frontier of being and becoming, the Psalms are the requisite toolbox. In his book, Answering God, the Psalms as Tools for Prayer, Eugene Peterson wrote this, If you are willfully ignorant of the Psalms, you are not thereby excluded from praying. But you will have to hack your way through formidable country by trial and error and with inferior tools. End quote. And so in this strange season when everything in our lives is disrupted, when we are stuck at home in isolation, we want to invite you onto that adventure to take up these tools in order to collaborate with God in his work of working his will into our bodies and souls. Last weekend, we meditated on Psalm 23. This week's psalm is number 42. Hopefully you've had a chance already this week to meditate and dwell in that psalm and it's already familiar to you. But even if you haven't, come with us on this journey. Before we hear these words of scripture, I want to invite you to pray with me. Lord, it's in your light that we see light. It's in your truth that we find freedom and in your way that we find peace. So come and shine upon us as we take up this prayer that you have given to us. May we come to find you at work in every corner of our lives. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Do whatever you need to do to listen well to these words from the book that we love. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When will I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me continually, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I went with the throng and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? 
hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my help and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar, deep calls to deep at the thunder of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk about mournfully because the enemy oppresses me? As with a deadly wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me continually, Where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Psalm 42. I was introduced to this psalm as a child through the song, As the Deer. I remember the sweet pictures and coloring pages of a deer coming to drink quietly from a rushing brook through a beautiful forest. And this psalm was presented as a tender love song, essentially saying, Lord, I love you so much. You're as necessary as water, and I can't get enough of you. Imagine my surprise then, when I looked at this psalm for the first time in its own right, and discovered that it's not a tender love song, but a desperate cry of lament in the midst of great turmoil. The image isn't of a deer gently drinking water from a quiet brook, but of a desperate deer hopelessly, helplessly searching for water in the midst of a drought, panting with its thirst on the verge of death by desiccation. It's a psalm about spiritual drought, about God's absence. God seems gone. The person is no longer experiencing God's presence at all. She's not getting anything out of worship. Her devotional life seems void and empty. God seems absent entirely. Have you experienced a season like that? Maybe you're in one now. The psalmist has. God seems so far away. God seems to no longer be answering your prayers. The joy of your prayer life has left you. Everything seems like a chore, like going through the motions, and you wonder if you should just give it all up. You remember what it was like to feel God's presence, to feel it. The like body chills, waves of comfort and peace and satisfaction, the joyful presence of God. You remember what it felt like, but it's so far away 
that you wonder if it was ever even real. Have you been there? Have you known a season like that? The psalmist says, why have you forgotten me, O Lord? The psalmist says, when will I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night. My soul thirsts for you, O God. Have you been there? Chances are you have. And if you haven't yet, you will. Seasons of spiritual dryness and drought come. And though we seldom talk about them, the psalmist does often. And Psalm 42 is just one example of these prayers. In this psalm, though, we find an example of what it means to respond faithfully when God seems so far away. This psalm isn't interested in why, but it provides us a tool to pick up when we find ourselves in that barren landscape. So how does the psalmist respond when God seems to be far away? Well, the first thing is probably the most obvious one. They pray. This psalm exists because when they found themselves in that place, they prayed. They continued to pray. They continued to worship. See, we're tempted when God seems distant to give up our praying, to stop coming to worship. I'm not really feeling it right now. I'm not really getting anything out of it, so I'm just not going to go. But the psalmist goes all the more. The psalmist jumps in even deeper to their crying out. They pour out their soul to the Lord, they say. They cry out to the absent God about how God is absent. You know, this is a psalm of lament. And one of the remarkable things about biblical lament is that it's not just complaining. It is itself an act of faith. Because why would you even pray if you didn't think that there was still a God who might listen, that there was still a God who might just do something about it? When the psalmist feels God's absence so deeply, she feels she might die. She doesn't give up praying and worship. She cries out all the more. She pours out her soul again. That's the first thing that this psalm does for us. The second thing that this psalm does in responding is that the psalmist gets curious. The psalmist asks themselves a, a question, twice, the same question. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Why? What's going on inside me? Where is this coming from? As we'll see, the question is followed by a call to hope in God. Might our hope be placed somewhere it shouldn't be? 
somewhere that will disappoint us? Might our hope be placed in the emotional experience of God instead of in the living God who meets us in worship? Might our hope be placed in material success, in careers, in our children, in our health and ability to live a long life? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? The psalmist gets curious and explores their own heart and their own hopes. But then quick on the heels of that searching, the third thing that the psalmist does is they remember. They remember and they declare what's true even though they don't feel it or see it right now. After asking the question, the psalmist says, my soul is downcast. Therefore, I remember you. I remember you. The psalmist rehearses and recounts what is true, even when downcast, even when it doesn't feel true, when it seems so far away. And the psalmist continues what they remember. Deep calls out to deep at the thunder of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows crash down upon me. How stunning to go from the image of a deer about to die of dehydration now to deep groundwaters, to waterfalls and ocean waves and depths that are immeasurable. The psalmist remembers a time when they were seemingly drowning in God and seems to say, I may not feel your presence now, I may thirst and long for you, but I know that you are an ocean deep. That it may seem right now like your stream has dried up, but you are a waterfall that pours over me. The psalmist continues to remember. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. He remembers God's steadfast love, God's hesed. Do you remember that from last week in Psalm 23? The tove and hesed of God that pursue us all the days of our life, God's goodness and mercy, God's steadfast love and kindness toward us. Here it is again. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love and faithfulness, whether I remember it or see it or not. And at night, I will sing songs, Lord, of your mercy, for they are my life. The psalmist is remembering what's true, even when he doesn't feel it. And there's one thing in particular the psalmist wants to remember so desperately he reminds himself twice. A third time, if you read Psalm 43. Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my help and my God. Now I have to admit, I'm, I'm partial 
to these verses because Sparrow in Deo is the motto of my alma mater, Hope College. Hope in God. And it's taken from right here in Psalm 42. Hope's symbol is the anchor. That's taken from Hebrews 6. We have this hope as an anchor for our souls. Anchor is a fitting symbol for hope. Because your hope is only as good as what it's placed in. Hope is about our expectation for the future. And as the wind and waves blow in the present, where is your hope? What's holding you? Is that hope an anchor? Is it steadfast and immovable? Is it solid and sure? Or is it shallow? Is it likely to blow away? It seems like the world has never been more uncertain than it is now. Which means we've never needed an anchor more than we do right now. And so as we get curious, as we examine our own hearts and find these other things in which we may have placed our hope, will they last? Health? In the midst of a pandemic, when all we can do to protect ourselves is try to stay home? Career and material success when everything seems to be upended? Even our children, who can't bear the weight of our hope, they will disappoint us, and one day they too will die. Where is your hope placed? And is it sure in the midst of the uncertainty that blows? Because if your hope isn't sure, then all the wind and waves of this present moment will just grow within you anxiety and fear. And it's that anxiety and fear that we find everywhere. Turn on the TV, check the news, scroll social media. It's everywhere. And it's easy to get caught up in it and blown around for a while. And so this psalmist asks us to remember our hope. Hope in God. That's our anchor. Our hope is the God who became one of us in Jesus. The God who suffered the depths of human longing and need and suffering when he was hung upon a cross, where he cried out not only, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But also, I thirst. And after dying upon that cross, the soldier pierces his side with a spear and we see blood and water pour out because in dying for us, Christ becomes the fountain of our life. It was Jesus who had said, if you remember, come to me all who are thirsty, who promises us that the living water he provides will satisfy such that we will never be thirsty again. And in fact, that we ourselves will overflow and become fountains of living water by the Spirit too. See, in Psalm 42, we're invited to come to God in seasons where we are dry and God seems far away. We're invited to pour out our souls, to examine our hearts, and to remember our hope, 
But at the very depths, we only feel as though God has abandoned us. On the cross, Jesus was actually abandoned by the Father. Jesus experiences God's actual absence and dies of spiritual thirst. He takes on what we actually deserved. And in taking it from us, he ensures that we will never have to experience God's rejection and abandonment. On the other side of death, we no longer find the emptiness that we so anxiously fear. We find now his life, abundant, resurrection, everlasting life, the living water that will never run dry. And that's our hope. That's the anchor that holds us. That's the hope that leads us to cry out to God, to pour out our souls even when God seems so far away. It's the anchor that holds us, whatever the storms of life. It's the hope this psalm invites us to remember. That's the hope that will hold us firm until the day when our faith becomes sight when the clouds are rolled back, when the Lord shall descend, when God comes again to make all things new, and when we will again praise Him. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my help, and my God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.